بارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم so just to kind of remind ourselves that the, our intention for coming to these classes and for studying this subject which is the 99 names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is so that we can learn about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and through knowing more about him we can love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because that is the that is the missing ingredient in most of our lives right we know what's what we're supposed to do we know what we're supposed to stay away from but we don't do it right or we slip up and so when we love if we love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then that will enable us to do good and stay away from what's bad <coughs> and we can't really love somebody unless we know them and so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us these 99 names and they are attributes of his so that we can learn who our creator is and then become the type of people that please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so this week is precisely about that al-khaliq al-bari al-musawwir now these three names are names that people think mean the same thing but we've mentioned before that every name every word of of the, most words of the arabic language they have different nuances slightly different aspects that they bring to the meaning that we are trying to understand so these three names although they are similar they are not exactly the same they have differences so in summary the ulama say that you can understand them to be different by knowing that the creator is the one who causes existence and this is al-khaliq that he causes existence then he separates or distinguishes his creation and individuals and this is al-bari and then he fashions the characteristics of each thing that he creates and this is al-musawwir so we'll go over that again in short basically al-khaliq is the creator and he's the one that creates everything al-bari is the perfect is the maker of perfect harmony that's how we can understand al-bari and al-musawwir is the shaper of unique beauty the one who fashions unique beauty now going into al-khaliq as we mentioned this means the creator so this means that he is the one who has created everything right he created everything now there's a marker right so <coughs> we mentioned before also that khaliq is what's called an ism al-fa'il right so the way you spell khaliq is like this right khaliq this is on the scale of fa'il which is fa alif ain lam right so you guys see how it's similar right you guys all see it clear so fa'il is the one who does an action and this attribute only stays with an individual as long as they do the action so for example the verb to sit means is jalasa a person as a sitter is jalis as long as he is sitting So as soon as he's no longer sitting you cannot say he is jalis anymore right however this attribute of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was khaliq before he even created anything so how does that make sense because it is the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and all of his attributes are inherently a part of him they were never they never came about later on he never had to learn how to do anything right he never had to experience something it's always been with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And so Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala is khaliq does that mean that he's always creating something? What do you guys think? Is he always creating or not? Yes, no, maybe. If he is creating then what is he creating? 
Yeah. Like what happens in the world. <clears throat> right, exactly. Yeah. Every single thing that we do, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is creating our actions. So there were some, some sects that have died out now. One of them was called the Mu'tazila. And they were people who, who, with some of their beliefs, they left the fold of Islam. Okay? Um, not necessarily with this particular belief that I'm going to mention. But what they said was that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creates everything and then He lets it go. And He sort of observes it. Right? So for example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creates, when we try to light a fire and we make the spark, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creates that fire, He makes the spark, and then He lets the fire burn. But the belief, the correct belief of Ahl-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creates the spark, He creates the fire, and then He sustains the fire. Right? So every breath that we take is a new action that's being created. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is allowing all of our actions to take place. This makes Him constantly khaliq. And secondly, even scientists have said that the universe is ever expanding, right? That means Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is constantly creating more of the universe, right? Everything that's happening, all the actions, the galaxies, everything, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is creating it. Some people, I mean, Allah if it's true or not, but some people have said that, you know, like we hear the, you know, those different hadith about every type of dhikr, you do a certain type of dhikr, Allah ta'ala creates a tree for you in Jannah, or Allah ta'ala builds a palace for you in Jannah, right? So some individuals uh, reflected upon this and said that could this mean, could this make sense with the idea that the universe is ever expanding? That the universe, the universe it consists, it includes Jannah and Jahannam. And so the fact that our actions are resulting in these, the expansion of our uh, homes and our, our realms, our properties in Jannah, does that mean that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is creating it and that's why the universe is expanding? It's an interesting thought, right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He created everything and He created without a prior model. You know, and this is different from, this is different from, from what we perceive of nature, right? And evolution, these types of things. Because evolution, what's the concept of evolution? That you make a trial out of something, right? Trial by error. So you experiment on something and you see if it works. If it doesn't, you scrap it and you change something, right? So when scientists are uh, doing their experiments, they're adding water, they're adding different chemicals, whatever it is they're doing, letting things sit for a certain amount of time, people are inventing and making things, right? People when they, you know, when they initially made planes and cars and whatever else, they experimented. It didn't work and then they tried again. They saw where they might have gone wrong, right? This is not how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala works. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, His knowledge, He created with His knowledge and His wisdom and His might and His will. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created with His knowledge, He never had to put anything under trial. He never had to see that, will this work or not? Right? He knew exactly how it would be because His knowledge was so absolute. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أَوَلَيْسَ الَّذِي خَلَقَ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضَ بِقَادْرٍ عَلَىٰ أَنْ يَخْلُقَ مِثْلَهُمْ That did He, is He not the one who created the heavens and the earth? And he's able to, to create the likes of them. Bala, definitely. Because he is the supreme creator. Where does this verse come from? You guys know? Which surah does it come in? No? Surah Yasin. I was hoping you guys would know Surah Yasin. But <clears throat> Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in Surah Yasin that he create, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one, the supreme being who created everything. He created the heavens and the earth, and it is only him that is able to create the likes of those things. Who else can create the heavens and the earth? Right? And then why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala create? Why did He create anything? What do you guys think? 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows, but it's been mentioned in certain narrations. Yeah. He's mentioned, yeah, in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ That we have not created jinn or mankind except so that they worship. Except so that they worship me. So we have been created for the sole purpose of the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it comes in a, in a narration. Some people say it's, it's weak, but uh, it is acceptable. That when Adam salam was put onto the earth, he made tawbah for 40 years. He prostrated to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for 40 years. And at the end of that 40 years, he said, he said in his dua, his supplication, that, Oh Allah, by the name of Muhammad, forgive me. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asked him that how do you know this name? Right? Or an angel was sent to him to ask him, how do you know this name? And he said that when I was created and life was blown into me, I looked beneath the arsh, the throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and I saw, La ilaha illallah, Muhammad rasulullah And so I knew that whoever's, whosever name is next to the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala must be a great individual. And Allah ta'ala told him that were it not for him, I would not have created you. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had so much love for the Prophet wasallam that he wanted to bring the rest of us into existence so that he could bring Rasulullah into existence. He created Adam and everyone else just to bring the likes of the Prophet into existence. Now some, some people have an issue with the narration, with the chain of narration, but it makes sense and it's in accordance and many people say it's acceptable. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created us so that one, he could bring Rasulullah into existence and number two, he created us for his worship and that's Understood from the Quran in the verse that we, we, we mentioned. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also says in Surah Al-An'am that rabbukum la ilaha illahu, that that is Allah, He is your Rabb. There is no deity except Him. That He is the creator of everything, so worship Him. Constantly we're finding references that He created us for His worship. He created us for His worship. Now, if we think about it, the different you know, everything that's been created all around us, around the world. The mount, we have the mountains. The mountains were in existence and we weren't in existence. The oceans and the rivers were in existence and we were not. The forests and the trees, all these things were in existence, we were not. The heavens, the earth, everything. The galaxies were in existence, but none of us were in existence. Insan had not been created yet. Right? Jinn had not been created yet. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created all of these things, but we were not. And then if we look at the ecosystem, if we remove insan from the ecosystem, we remove humankind from the world, what's going to happen? Ecosystem's going to flourish, right? There will, endangered species will no longer be endangered because we consume, and, you know, consume everything beyond what we need. And so we're a detriment actually to the world. Right? Everything's going to flourish if insan is removed from the equation. What does this tell us? This tells us that we were not created for this world. Rather, we were created for Jannah. We were created for the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and our dwelling, our home is actually Jannah. So our, everything was created before, all of this world was created before us. However, it has been created for us. Not for us to, un, to, to be attached to this world, but it has been created for our use. Right? It's been created for our use. That we might use the resources around us. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created everything for our use, yet He created us for Himself. He created us for Himself. And it's possibly this, for this reason maybe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, لَقَدْ خَلَقْنَا الْإِنسَانَ فِي أَحْسَنِ تَقْوِيمِ That we created mankind, we created insan in the best of molds. 
that all of creation, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala declares that insan is the best of creation. The absolute best of creation. Because, why? Create, the rest of creation is created for our use. But we are created for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to worship Him. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala deserves purity, right? He deserves the best. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created us in the best of molds for His worship. Now regarding Khaliq, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also mentions that when people, when they try to reject and deny the Day of Judgment, Yawmul Qiyamah, Regarding this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, كَمَا بَدَتْنَا أَوَّلَ خَلْقِ That just as we created the first of creation, نُعِيدُهُ That we will repeat it. So we might ask, right? And the mushrikeen of Makkah, they ask that how is it that Allah will, how is it that we are going to be recreated when we are dust and bones? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that just as we created the first of creation, similarly, we will repeat it, right? He created us out of nothingness. He didn't need any tools to do it. He created us out of nothingness. So just like that, he will be able to create us again. And he says, alayna, That this is a promise that we have taken upon ourselves, inna kunna fa'ilin, that we will definitely do it. He will definitely bring us back into existence on the Day of Judgment. And so the, you know, it's mentioned also the likes of Isa al-Islam, for example. That what is the, like, the likeness of Isa al-Islam, of Prophet Jesus, peace be upon him, is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, his likeness is just like, is the likeness of Adam alayhisam. That just as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created Adam alayhisam, without anyone before him, without, a, without any parents, similarly he created Isa alayhisam, without the normal means that it takes to create, right? That he was not conceived through any relations of a husband and wife, right? Rather, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, kun fayakun, that he said be and he was, right? You guys know the story, Surah Maryam, Jibreel comes to Maryam and says, uh, you know, she sees him and she takes, she says, she, she warns him to fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? And he says that there's nothing to fear because I'm a messenger from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I have brought you glad tidings of a child. She says, how can there be a child for me when nobody has touched me and I've not been unchaste, I'm not, mar- I'm not married or anything. And he says that this, it's, the matter is easy for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he's already decided it. And then Jibreel he blows and the soul of Isa Islam goes into her, and then the child is conceived. So Imam Ghazali, rahimullah, he says that what is our counsel, what is the share that we can take from this name Al-Khaliq, is that we have to become well acquainted with Al-Khaliq. When we become well acquainted with him, then we will see the universe reflected in him. We will see the universe reflected in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and then we will know what surrounds us, thus we will know ourselves. So this is the share we can take. He actually goes on at the end of this whole, because he brings all three of these names together. He goes on and says, there's actually, these are three names that no share can be taken from them, really. <laughs> right? But you know, Imam Ghazali, mashallah, he highly intellectual, so he always like, finds a way, you know. Then he mentions, he mentions Al-Bari, the maker of perfect harmony. So how is this different? It's slightly different from Al-Khaliq. Al-Bari is the one who keeps everything in absolute perfect harmony. So then we think, now some individuals have said that the root word of bari, it, tell, it, comes, it means to cut or to shape something. So to cut something or to shape something that's there. Now we can kind of understand that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then He shaped everything into perfect harmony. So if you think about the universe, Imam Ghazali mentions the universe, the whole universe is like clockwork. Right? Everything is working in a specific manner. Right? So for example, you have... You know, you have everything is orbiting around the sun, and then you know all the planets are orbiting around the sun. The moons are orbiting around the planets. The whole galaxy is turning and shifting, and then you have so many of these galaxies. Everything is working in perfect unison. 
The scientists have said that if you were to, if anything, any of the planets or the moons were to shift even a slight degree, it would throw the whole galaxy off. Right? That the gravitational pull of everything would be affected and then everything would be thrown into chaos. So is it possible that nature came up with this on, by itself? Right? That nature through trial and error was able to come up with this on its own? It's impossible, right? It wouldn't be able to. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one that created everything. He made it in perfect harmony. Just like our bodies. Our bodies are also clockwork. Every piece of our body is working in such perfect harmony that if one slight thing is affected, if one part is affected, the whole body is affected. And Rasulullah said that this is how the ummah should be also. Be like a body. That if one part of the ummah is hurting, the rest of the, if one part of the body is sick, or if one part of the body is hurting, the whole ummah should be feeling that sickness. Unfortunately, we've gone away from this. But anyway, the whole, the human body and everything, it is created in perfect harmony. So what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? He says in Surah Mulk, مَا تَرَافِي min tafawut. He says that, He's telling, addressing Rasulullah and addressing all of mankind, saying that you do not see in the creation of Ar-Rahman, you do not see in the creation of the Most Merciful any incongruity, right? You do not see any error in it, no confusion, there's nothing you see in it. Then he says, فَرْجِعِ الْبَصَرِ That look again, you don't see any imperfection, you don't see any, uh, any incongruity in it, then look again. That do you see anything? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is asking this question that you can look and you don't notice. Look again and look harder, you still won't see anything. You won't see any error, you won't see any confusion. Everything is working in its perfect harmony. It's amazing, you know, if you think about, if you think about uh, the planets, for example, right? There's a whole debate on Pluto, right? Is it a planet? Is it not a planet? Is it a dwarf planet? Is it a moon? What is it, right? Pluto and its moon, if we consider it a planet, what, what happens with the moons? Even if planets have multiple moons, the moons orbit around the planet, right? So we have our moon, it's going around Earth. You know, Jupiter has many moons and all of them are orbiting around. The central point of their orbit is the center of Jupiter, right? But with Pluto and its moon, they're orbiting around something that's not there, right? They're orbiting around something that's not there. It's like they're moving and you can't, they can't find anything, right? The astronomers can't find anything. There's no evidence that something was there there's no evidence that something is there. It can't be seen. It's just like transparent. There's nothing. Right? This is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala works. They are orbiting around something that's not there. The orbit is supposed to work off of the gravitational pull. But if there's nothing, like, <laughs> how does that work? Right? Does it make sense? Allah alam what it is. Maybe, you know, maybe it's a... <clears throat> Never mind. I was going to give a Superman reference, but... <laughs> Uh, <clears throat> so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keeps everything in perfect harmony right? Everything in perfect harmony And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the only one able to do this So what is the counsel then? Imam Ghazali rahmullah, He says that one who is saved From error and injustice and confusion Then he can, ta- he can say that he has a share of al-bari And he acts in perfect uniformity with the divine law And he contributes to society And inspires others to be of benefit so you yourself, how can you take a share? That you yourself remove yourself from error, right? And you inspire others to be of benefit. You become a benefit to society and you become a piece of this puzzle that the entire society can benefit from your efforts, your work, right? However small it might be, right? Like the corporate world, for example, is described as being a machine, right? No one individual carries the whole corporation on, but every single person has a part to play. Every single person has a part to play. So you have to put yourself into society 
and have a part to play, whatever, however it might be. And then you become a benefit to others. And, once you be, and then you inspire others to be of benefit also. Then you can say that you have had a share in Al-Bari. And then Imam Ghazali, rahimullah, he mentions, he says that this name actually has a share with Ar-Rahman. The Ar-Rahman and Al-Bari are connected. Because to have perfect harmony is also mercy. To have perfect harmony is mercy and it is in actuality good, right? The fact that harmony is there in society tells us, like this is, we can see how this is of benefit to us, right? The different, I mean, for example, think about the seasons, right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what does He do with the seasons? The winter comes and it snows. And it's, the snow melts, but it melts very slowly. And it sits on the mountaintops the entire winter, right? And then spring comes and it slowly starts melting, right? And it's not even summer yet. Slowly it starts melting. And when it melts, then everything comes down from the mountains and it comes into our cities, right? Then, it has, then the summer comes when it's hotter and we need more water. All the water is sitting there now because it's come down from the mountains. And then just after the summer, maybe things are starting to dry up. The fall comes, it starts raining, right? And the rain fills up our reserves again. Everything Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made. This is this harmony that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made with the seasons even. This is a benefit to us. And this is from the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we'll go on to Musawwir, but let's make Maghrib. And then we'll, we'll do Musawwir and then we'll finish off. Right, so then we're going on to Al-Musawwir. So Musawwir was the shaper of unique beauty. Now, the ulama mentioned that all three of these names, Al-Khaliq, Al-Bari, and Al-Musawwir, all of them are most prominently manifested in mankind. Right, so when we look amongst insan, then all three of them are most prominently manifested amongst other creations, but in insan they are most manifest. And we can understand this, that what is this? The shaper of unique beauty. So for example, have we ever come across two fingerprints that are the same? Never, right? Even our own fingerprints, they take a right and a left one. I don't know, are the right and the left the same? No. They're not, right? They take our fingerprints double, right? So no, so many different people, how could lines on your hand, on your finger, be different from every single individual, right? Including yourself, your other hand. Right? Whereas when we look at what, what insan makes, like we have social security numbers, but social security numbers are just recycled, <laughs> right? I, I was in college with a guy, he, his whole credit, everything was screwed up because they said he was like some 65-year-old white guy and he was like a 20-year-old black guy, right? So, <laughs> um, the guy had passed away also. He was, he was applying for something, whatever paperwork he was doing. They said, you're supposed to be dead, <laughs> right? So when insan gets involved, we can't ever perfect anything, right? That pr amount of perfection that comes into play when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes something. Even look at a child. Nine months, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, put, you put a drop in the womb of the mother. In nine months, look at how much that child grows. And then after that, look how slowly the child grows. Right? Once it comes out, look how slowly the child grows. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is growing. Once it's affected by the world and you know, whatever else, our sustenance, the child grows a lot slower. Right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala works at a much higher level than any of us are able to do so. Right? Than insan is able to do so. So when we look at insan, all of us are different. Right? Every single individual is different, our fingerprints, everything. We also build, we also make things, we shape things, we invent things. But we then, what happens? We take credit for it. 
So the artist says that this is my creation. The engineer says I invented. They forget even the individuals who gave them the tools. Right? So the painter doesn't think about the one who gave him the paint, who made the colors or put the colors into the paint. Right? The engineer doesn't think about the one who gave them the tools, right? all the iron and technology, whatever else was used. We don't think about those things. Let alone thinking about the one who allowed us to have all of these things. Let alone the one who gave us our eyes, who gave us our brain, who gave us our bodies, who gave us everything, our intellect, to be able to figure all this out. Right? This is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we forget about the person who gave us the tools, let alone the one who actually gave us everything else, right? And allowed us to perceive these things and work together. So the difference between Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creating and us creating is that we are not actually creating. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also, He doesn't need any tools to create. He created everything out of nothingness. But insan, we need tools. We need the, the, the asbab to be there, right? We need the means to be there, right? So the question arises then, can, can insan, can humankind make it rain? Did we discuss this before? No. Can insan make it rain? What do you guys think? Like water? Yeah. From the sky, yeah. Can insan make it rain? Is anybody thinking about, there's all these conspiracies out there, there's some harp in, I don't know what, in Alaska, you know about that. Yeah. So can insan cause it to rain? And is there a difference? Yes. yes. Why? What's the difference? The, because of the means, right? So, insan cannot make it rain, but we can cause it to rain. What is rain? You put the right, you know, whatever, like, environment together. It's been, I've been far removed from science, so I, all these words, terminology are not coming to me, right? But you put the right things together, it's going to start raining. Right? You put the right uh, whatever protons and whatever else it is together, you can make thunder, you can make these types of things. Right? You just put the, the asbab, the means together, and we can cause these things. Right? But we are not actually the creators of these things. This is a very important question, because the jal will come one day, and what's he going to do? He's going to cause it to rain. So if we think that insan cannot cause it to rain, many people will be fooled by the jal thinking, oh, wait, he, made it, he made it rain, therefore he is Allah, right? People will take him as Allah, right? So insan can accomplish these things because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made, he has made a scientific method, right? That things happen, right? There's an earthquake. It's not simply the earth shaking. It's, you know, whatever the, 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 the plate movements and all these types of things that happen. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put means in there and these things take effect. We can use those things, right? That's why it's like, if a long time goes without an earthquake in a specific place. What happens? The, the, the geologists and whatnot, they say, okay, <clears throat> the, the pressure is building up. So if an earthquake does take place, like Seattle, they say, so long it's been, if an earthquake takes place, it's going to be huge because the earth has to let out this pressure. So they actually consider, should we make the earth release this pressure? They consider putting like certain explosives and this and that to make the plates move a little bit so the pressure gets released. Right? They consider these things. Of course, you may start making it move and then you don't know what's going to happen after that, right? It might go out of control. But we can, the point is that these things can be caused by us. However, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one that controls it, right? Just like a match, simple example. You, light the, you, you, you strike the match, sometimes the fire comes, sometimes it doesn't. We've caused that fire to come out from that match. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who made the fire come from it. That's why sometimes you strike and it doesn't work. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one that made it, right? 
So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He fashions all of these things. And then what is His creation? When He says, Kun fayakun. Now there's a great debate, or discussion rather, amongst the, the ulama that when does the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala take place? Is it at the, you know, the kaf of kun? Is it after the noon? Is it between the, the kaf and the noon? It's all semantics. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's speech also, it is, the ulama have said, it is without sound and letter. And that's why aqidah, this is our discussions in aqidah. Aqidah, one of the names for aqidah is, the science of aqidah is ilmul kalam. The knowledge or the science of kalam. Kalam means speech. One of the reasons for giving it that name is because this is the most debated attribute of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the most difficult to understand. And in reality, we can't understand it. <laughs> right? That how, did this, how is the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? We don't know. Right? But what we know is it's different from, there's no sound nor letter to it. Why? Because the underlying principle is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said, لَيْسَ كَمِثْلِهِ شَيْءٍ That nothing is like Him. So we give out sound and speech, and our speech is dictated by letter and sound. Therefore, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not, because He's different from His creation in every aspect. Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creates everything, and He has said, وَصَوَّرَكُمْ فَأَحْسَنَ سُوَرَكُمْ That He shaped you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shaped you, and He made your shape excellent. Right? This is why al-musawwir means the shaper of unique beauty. Now, how else can we understand this? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمِنْ آيَاتِهِ خَلْقُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ That from His signs is the creation of the heavens and the earth. وَاخْتِلَافُ أَلْسِنَتِكُمْ Right? That, and He uh, made a varying of your tongues, your languages, وَأَلْوَانِكُمْ And your colors, your appearance. إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ لَآيَةٍ Right? That indeed in that is a sign for those who have knowledge. And then, these are verses from Surah Rum. You know that you guys hear the, always hear the same verses recited at a, when you go to a wedding or something? It's right after that, right? That in Allah Subhanahu makes all of these different things. Right? You should read this, read the translation of this. It's really mind-blowing if you reflect on it. That so many of these things, Allah Subhanahu goes on to discuss the night and the day and the water and all these different things and the earth and it's the death of the earth and the revival of the earth. All of these things, Allah Subhanahu created these things. Surah Rum. Yeah. Now, when we think about how can we really understand this unique beauty, the shaper of unique beauty. You guys ever seen a nice, like a beautiful scenery, right? You've seen beautiful scenery. So, for example, you go and you look at the mountains or the ocean, the river, whatever it is, right? The forest. You see it and you're driving. Like I was thinking, when my family came to South Africa, we went to Cape Town. And Cape Town is it's beautiful. You know, my father's been all over the world. He said it's the most beautiful city he's ever seen. We went to Cape Town and you're driving along the coast. They've literally built the city out of the mountain, like on the side of the mountain, right? And the mountain, the ocean comes up to it and the mountain just starts right there. It's like the shore and the mountain and the city is somewhere in between, right? It's amazing. And they've built the highway going around the mountains. As you're driving, right, we're seeing the mountain on our left, the ocean in front of us. There's mountains further down, right, because the way the road is curving. The sun is setting. And we're driving every moment we're taking pictures, right? So you take a picture. Oh, this is beautiful. You take another picture. Like four or five seconds apart, you're taking pictures. And then when you look at it, you're like, man, all these pictures look the same. But when you're actually viewing it, what happens? Every single moment looks unique. Every single, diff every single angle looks different from the angle before. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creates that uniqueness of every angle, every moment in His creation. And then He gives us the eye to capture that uniqueness. When we take a picture of it with a camera, something man-made, we look at it, and that thing which is unique and has its own beauty, and three feet later has its own unique beauty that we are perceiving with our eyes, when we look at it in the camera, it looks all the same, and then you start deleting all the repeats, right? 
So what happens? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creates the uniqueness of that scenery. And then He creates the uniqueness of the eyes to be able to perceive the uniqueness of His other creation. When we try to capture it, the eyes are able to capture it, but our own man-made tools, the camera, is not able to capture it. Have you guys ever experienced this before? Right? You look in your camera and it's nothing. You, you go to Cary Park and these types of things, right, where the Seattle skyline is shot from. And you look at Mount Rainier and you're like, man, this is amazing. You take out your camera, you take a picture, and it's like a big bust, you know? <laughs> it's just not the same. This is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being al-musawwir, that He shapes every single thing in its uniqueness, right? And it's not, it's not, we can't even comprehend it. We can't do anything like it even if we, even when we try. So then Imam Ghazali, he mentions that in actuality, you cannot take a, you cannot take a share from any of these things. Any of these three names, al-Khaliq, al-Bari, al-Musawwir, you can't have a share in it. However, what do you guys think he's going to say? The heart, right? <laughs> if insan looks at his heart and his soul, then he will understand its reality. So to understand the reality and the uniqueness of the soul and the heart, right? And then to not deceive ourselves. So to understand the reality of our hearts and our souls and to not deceive ourselves and learn about our souls and our hearts. Learn about what compels it, what entices it, what inspires it. And not, don't fool ourselves, right? Into thinking, no, I'll be okay. No, this doesn't actually, this doesn't do anything for me. Every person might be, people might be different, right? What, what might incite or, you know, inspire or cause detriment to one person's heart and soul might not do it in the same degree as for another person, right? However, we have to not deceive ourselves and look into our souls. And then he says what? After looking at the soul and looking at the heart, then look at the intellect and understand the, 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 understand the attributes of our intellect and what, dictate, what dictates its knowledge and the will, of our intellect. What allows us to learn, what allows us to understand, and what, like we say, what mind over matter, right? Everything is mind over matter. So what is it that causes our mind to be able to, to, be able to overcome the situation at hand? Right? Oftentimes they say it's, a, you know, it's your willpower. So what is it that inspires us, that gets our will moving, and allows us to accomplish the task at hand? You know, like there's a saying that the only thing that overcomes a father's will is a mother's love. Right? So this is the aspect of the, the intellect versus the heart. And the will is what? Is it in something intellectual or is it the, something of the, of the heart? It's probably something of, you know, combination of the two. So he says that we have to look at these things. Now what happens? When you look at the soul and you look at the heart, this is looking at the spiritual and heavenly, the angelic things, right? The angelic features. These other types of the spiritual dimensions. And when we look at the intellect, this is the physical so then when you bring the physical and the cognitive dimensions together and you bring them into harmony, right? You bring them into harmony and you realize that this is understanding the physical and the cognitive dimensions is not by our own accord because it can be understood. These things can be understood. We usually don't talk about spiritual things, right? As people, the way the world is running now, usually we're, I mean, we're so far removed from spirituality. So we hear something of a spiritual nature and it makes no sense to us. Right? It makes absolutely no sense. So when we hear about somebody doing magic, for example, well, how does that make sense? Well, we believe in magic. Magic is there, right? It's completely, there's no such thing as white magic, you know, for example. Everything, all magic is evil, right? And it's haram, but it's, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala affirms it in the Quran. It exists, it's there, right? But we, we can't understand it. We will see something happen in front of our eyes, and yes, it might be an illusion, but we can't comprehend how such a thing could take place. 
So Imam Ghazali rahimullah, he says that we have to bring the physical and the spiritual world together. We have to bring it together and bring this harmony to ourselves and then understand that it is only by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that these two things can be brought together. And so thus we strive in exposing ourselves to the outpouring mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so when we bring the physical and the spiritual world together and these two things come into harmony, then we can understand the outpouring of the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we can take a share of it. Right? For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said, Inna Allah la yugayru, la yugayru ma hatta yugayru ma Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said that indeed Allah ta'ala does not change the condition of a people until they change themselves. He says, bi You can understand this to be change themselves or change their hearts. So Imam Ghazali rahimullah keeps speaking about the heart and we think, oh, you know, here he goes again. But you start understanding why the heart is so important, right? That first when we try and change our own selves, our own hearts, then does the, the, the change amongst everyone else occur, right? Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will rather allow us to change. And Rasulullah sallallahu wa has said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He gives His mercy to you throughout your life. Certain days Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives more mercy to you throughout your days. So expose yourself to the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then Imam Ghazali in summary is saying that this comes together by, we understand this by bringing the spiritual, the cognitive and the physical world together at the same time. I want to read a paragraph to you guys, a couple sentences. You can think about it, maybe we can discuss it next week. So it's at the very end of this whole section, right, of these three names. Imam Ghazali says, Among the names of God Most High, there are these predicated of men, uh, metaphorically, and they are the majority, while others are predicated of men literally, and of God metaphorically, like patient and grateful. It is hardly appropriate that you notice the sharing in the name while overlooking this great difference which we have mentioned. You guys understand that? What is he saying? Uh, the second part was uh, if you... I, I don't really remember. So basically he's saying, basically he's saying that all of these names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because we're speaking about creation, right? Creator here, right? And we're discussing, comparing how is it different from what we think of to be uh, creator. So he says that most of these names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they, 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 it... Um, it's attributed to insan metaphorically, and, mo- and the majority of the names are like that, that it's attributed to insan metaphorically, right? And they are attributed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, what is it, and they are, what is it? among the names of God most high, there are these predicated of men metaphorically, and they are the majority, while others are predicated of men literally. So most of the names are metaphorical when it comes to us, but some of them are literal, and of those ones that are literal to us are metaphorical to Allah like patient and grateful, right? Which we haven't done yet. We'll get to those. So patient and grateful, for example, those are to us literally and to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala metaphorically. And it is hardly appropriate that you notice the sharing in the name while overlooking this great difference which we have mentioned. So it's not appropriate that we notice how we share a name with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but overlook the difference between Allah ta'ala and ourselves. Just some food for thought. (coughs) Any questions? That Rasulullah said that your Lord has gifts of His mercy for you. The one about like, you can't change yourself until. Oh, that's a, that's a verse of Quran. Oh. Allah says, "Inna Allah la yughayru ma bi qawmin hatta yughayru 
that Allah Ta'ala does not change the condition of a people until they change themselves or their hearts. Can you explain that? Because it seems like it would be the opposite, you know? Like, it seems like we couldn't change unless He allows us to change. Right, so Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala, the, the change, He will always allow us to change. But what this means is that we have to want it. And we have to put in some effort towards it. That's why, and of course, it's easy for Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala, right? Just change, <laughs> right? Um, and so, for example, when it comes to du'a, right, people say, the ulama say that when you make tawbah, how do you know that your tawbah has accepted? The fact that Allah Ta'ala has allowed you to even make that tawbah means that Allah Ta'ala has accepted it. If He didn't want you to, if He didn't want to forgive you, He would not even have allowed you to ask for forgiveness. So what this verse is telling us that we have to just want the change. And really, that's all it is. We think that we accomplish things on our own. We don't accomplish anything on our own. It's only by Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala allowing it. So we just have to, to want it. That's it. Just want it, want it, and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give us the way, right? So we always ask that, oh Allah, show me the right path. Allah ta'ala is showing us the right path, right? Left, right, and center. But we have to make dua, show us the right path, and grant us the tawfiq, the ability to walk that path of guidance also, right? When you start making those types of duas, then you'll start seeing the changes, you know, take place. And the test will still be there. It's not like, oh, you know, the test is not going to be there, so, you know, I ask Allah ta'ala to change and be guided, but... You know, I was tempted and I did such and such bad thing. This is my guidance. No, no. The test will always be there. The whole life is a test. This one, where it comes? Uh, I didn't. No, I don't remember. Inshallah, I'll tell you. Or you can probably look it up. I actually, when I prepare for class, I, there's like three or four books that I read before. So some of them mention... Most of it is Imam Ghazali, what he's saying, but some of it is actually coming from other books. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't remember where it comes. <coughs> Any other questions? اللهم انت السلام انت السلام تبارك يا ذا الجلال والإكرام سمعنا وعطانا غفرانك ربنا وإليك المصير اللهم اغفر لنا ذنوبنا وطهر قلوبنا وحسن فروجنا ربنا أتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار عذاب القبر عذاب الموت ربنا ولا تحملنا ما لا طاقة لنا به وعفونا واغفر لنا وارحمنا أنت مولانا فانصرنا على القوم الكافرين اللهم أغننا بالعلم وزيننا بالحلم وأكرمنا بالتقوى وجملنا بالعافية اللهم أنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاد منه نبيك محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وأنت المستعان عليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم سبحان ربك رب العزة أما يصفون وسلام على المن I think next week is going to be in Siege Hall. You guys see that in the email? Um, 